everyone. Welcome to the Let It Be podcast. I'm your host, Becky Ziegenfuss. Each show, I share conversations around purpose and promise. We talk about friendships, family, faith, all the favorite things. Make this your time. So whatever you have to do, let it go, let it wait, let it be. I wanted to jump on here really quickly before I share my conversation with my next guest. This episode is going to be a two-part episode because the conversation was so full of depth and knowledge, I didn't want to cut it short. When our country entered into the battle with COVID-19 back in March, I came across my guest on social media. He had started providing collected data, facts, and mathematical graphs to show the current situation in real time. He even made projections that were extremely accurate regarding the course of the virus. I, along with thousands, turned to his approach because as he says in his own words, it's just the facts, ma'am. He has offered a great deal of hope to many who have been paralyzed by fear. This is not a conversation about politics, nor a conversation about opinion. You will discover how my guest provides hard science while leading from his foundation his faith in Jesus. I know you will enjoy it. Make sure to stay with us for parts one and two of my conversation with Dr. Doug Frank. Hi friends, welcome to episode two of the Let It Be podcast. Who would have thought in the middle of launching a podcast that we would be in a global pandemic all centered around COVID-19? But here we are, and early in this pandemic, I was introduced through social media to my very special guest today. And I'd like to believe that he's a new friend of mine as well. Many of you are probably following him and his models on Facebook, but um, he's here today to share his brilliance and to share what he has discovered and what he has helped those following him pay attention to as we have walked through this global pandemic. So I want to introduce you to my friend, Dr. Doug Frank. So welcome and thank you for being on the Let It Be podcast. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm so, so glad to have you. Why don't you just start off for those of our listeners who do not follow you on Facebook, tell us who you are, what you do, and then tell us how we can find you on Facebook. I'm Doug Frank. Um, I'm a scientist and a musician and a teacher and an entrepreneur, inventor, family man, Christian. And I've been doing science aggressively for about 40 years. Uh, And about 25 years ago or so, I helped to start a school here in Cincinnati called the Schilling School for Gifted Children. It's a special school designed to teach exceptionally brilliant young people. Mm. It's a real pleasure. I get to work with some of the brightest minds in the country. It's it's like recess for me. Wow, <laughs> that's <laughs> and, amazing. And then when I'm uh, not doing that, I'm inventing. I've got several products that in, in several industries, and I have a small shop that manufactures my custom devices for laboratories around the world. And then also, uh, you know, most of the time I'm not allowed to talk about that. Right, <laughs> sure. But uh, I'm allowed to talk about bowling, so I do talk about bowling because I have several products in the bowling industry. So. Oh. Oh, I didn't know that, but I've seen your posts about bowling, so I knew at least it yes. was a love of yours. Yeah, it is. It's fun. It's a, there's so much physics and science in that, and it's a 
it's related to my original um, PhD, which is surface electrochemistry. It's a surf bowling is a surface sport. People don't re- think of it that way, but the ball spins when it rolls down the lane, and how much friction there is between the ball and the lane controls how it moves. And I have developed several techniques that the bowling industry uses to wow. to control that surface. So does that make you a great bowler? No, <laughs> uh, but I love bowling, and Nellie and I go bowling on in leagues and whatnot. And you know, I'm better than average, and 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 because the manufacturers all me though know me, they are always sending me the top stuff, you know. And so I get to play with really good equipment, and that helps. <laughs> so tell me about Nellie because she has quite a fan club now. I know that's so I. I uh, I, on this page that I've, I started several months ago, Dr. Frank Models, um, I was posting all kinds of technical graphs and uh, understanding and mathematical calculations to help people understand what was going on with COVID because what they were getting in the uh, media and news and whatnot was just ridiculous. And so I was kind of sorting through it, doing the calculation, showing them what the different numbers mean, how to interpret it. You know, basically mm-hmm. a calm place to discuss and understand. And along the way, I, I was being completely transparent. And uh, I mentioned a story about Nellie uh, in a statistical sense because I like I like using parables to teach mm-hmm. ideas because, you know, I can do all the fancy math, but as soon as you start using the fancy math words, everybody's eyes glaze over and nobody understands anymore. Right. So it's like a hobby of mine to see how simply can I present a really complicated idea in a way that people can understand. And so I like writing little stories. So I was using, writing a story about Nellie. And before I knew it, you know, it's like, I'll put some really fancy graph up there, you know, with some really amazing calculation and I'm all proud of it. And maybe in a day, a hundred people will click if they liked it or something like that. But then I put a picture of, Nellie up there and a little story about Nellie and like within hours there'll be a thousand people that have clicked it they like this so, <laughs> so it was surprising to me at first and I I didn't really understand it at first I mean I just figured okay she's cute and she has special needs she has down mm-hmm. syndrome and uh Nellie's your daughter yes and my first our first child we have three and she uh she's like a pure beam of light in my life. Mm. And I think that comes through. And I think Mm -hmm. that's why people immediately gravitated towards that. Because, you know, in the midst of all this malaise in our culture, Mm -hmm. here is a point of light. Here's hope. Here's pure purity. Here's innocence. Joy. I see joy on her face. She's the most amazing thing. And, you know, every night, it's like, you know, uh, Down Center people are kind of known for their habits and their patterns. She follows a, a pretty regular pattern. And every night she comes and she demands to be snuggled mm-hmm. <laughs> before, <laughs> before she goes to bed. I love and, that. And it's, you know, and then like uh, Saturday, this Saturday, today's Saturday, I wake up almost every Saturday morning with, I'll open my eyes and there she is. And she crawls into bed and we snuggle and she just, it's like, it's so um, satisfying and rejuvenating and fulfilling to have mm-hmm. somebody that just is constantly pouring unconditional love on you mm-hmm. every day. And, uh, you know, I share this with people and I just don't know if you can even fathom what it's like to be bathed in unconditional love mm-hmm. every day of your life. That's what it's like. It's so beautiful. I think people have been picking up on that. I do too. On, on, and so, you know, people will say, well, I came to, I came to Dr. Frank models because of the graphs and the math, but I stayed because of Nelly mm. and, that's, That's fantastic. So it's neat. It's a, the page has turned out to be something different than I 
ever thought or planned or intended it to be. Yeah. So I actually came across you before you started your page because we have a mutual friend and I, in the marketplace, I'm in the pharmaceutical world. So I have a little bit of a science math mind. Mm -hmm. And honestly, when this all started, so our girls are a high schooler at the time, middle school, and then we have a son. And that weekend that everything got canceled, our middle daughter was ready to star in her middle school show and they were doing Aladdin. And the night before opening night, it got canceled. And it was heartbreaking. And I think, which so many people have had really heartbreaking cancellations through this whole process from graduations to weddings to not being able to attend funerals. I mean, all of the things that have come with quarantine our middle middle school daughter had experienced that. And I think it was that weekend or that day that I had seen our mutual friend just share your name. And that was before you had reached your 5,000 person limit on Facebook. So I quickly clicked to connect because I knew that what you were sharing in my mind was like, all right, he's not only sharing the beginning of this pathway, but he's also making predictions about when we might peak and when this might start to go over the bell curve. And so in my mind, I was thinking, is there a chance that this show is going to be able to get rescheduled? And that was honestly the motivation. And ever since then, you maxed out at the number of people, number of friends that Facebook will allow you to have. And so then you started Dr. Frank Models. And since then, I mean, first of all, I don't think that you ever sleep because it seems that every time I'm on Facebook, you've made a new post and your followers have been exponentially growing day by day by day, which tells me that the information that you're giving is not only factual, but it's giving people hope. And I think that's what, to your point, they come for the, for the science stay for Nelly. I also think they're staying because they're feeling safe in the information you're giving. And why don't you tell us the rules that you set for yourself when you started tracking this virus? Well, um, I'm a scientist and so I like doing experiments. And so when I, you know, I started modeling COVID back in December, actually, because one of my students is from China and for right near Wuhan. And so normally in my classes, we model this stuff. So I, I started modeling with him and in our calculus class. And then my, uh, my head of school said, hey, Dr. Frank, uh, we're supposed to take a group of students to Europe in April. Tell us what's going to happen, um, what's going to be like then. And I, so I did the calculations with our class. And then we said, about April 1st or so, it's going to be peaking in Europe. You don't want to be there when it's peaking. Who knows what's going to happen? And so uh, she said, okay, great. So we canceled that trip. And then uh, about a month later, she said, hey, the governor's making waves about closing the schools. What's going to happen in Ohio? So I did the calculations and I said, well, somewhere about the middle of April, maybe a couple of weeks into April mm-hmm. is about when it'll peak. I said, so, um, you know, you can probably count on it being canceled. But I said, but by the by the end of April and into May, it should be mostly over. And if mm-hmm. he wants to open, we could open. Because by that point, the wild infection will be gone and it'll be probably good. What I didn't anticipate was that, you know, what what politicians do isn't necessarily based on the data alone. There are other factors. And so it never, they never did open up. And 
you know, so I, I'm glad I don't have to predict politics. It's a lot easier to predict other things. <laughs> but <laughs> well, you kept yourself off of the yes, news. Yes, that's where I was about to go. So, but when she was asking me these questions, I'm like, well, I'm, you know, I'm driving home from school and it's like the radio is full of all these massive, you know, millions of people are going to die and, you know, this horrible thing. And I'm like, wait a minute, I've been modeling this for months already. I know it's not, that can't be right. That can't be right. So I made it, I did an experiment. I said, okay, I'm going to allow myself to go anywhere on the internet to gather data, mm -hmm. but I can't do any research on the epidemic. I can't do any more research on COVID. I can't do any, I don't listen to any news. I don't listen to anything. So I kept myself, I call it going into the cave. Mm -hmm. I went into the cave and I gathered data. And then that way, um, that way I'm not biased by any of the political, I don't even know a lot of the governors, whether they're Republican, Democrat, I don't even know what the issues are. I made a comment about masks at one point and this exploded into this huge political issue on the page and I, I didn't even know it was an issue. Mm. So that tells you how much in the mm -hmm. dark I am. Mm -hmm. And But what that also allows me to do is it allows me to analyze data without a pre-bias. Mm -hmm. And so that's a, that's called an experimental control. And that's what we do as scientists. We set up experiments with controls. So I'm, I'm the subject of my experiment. And so the page is a, is sort of a stream of consciousness of my thought processes. And I invite everybody to join in, but in order for them to join, they have to follow the rules too. <laughs> They're not allowed to tell me what's going on in the yes. world. They're not allowed to, and, and you have to get through the, you have to answer a series of questions to be willing to come onto the page and, and anybody can follow. It's, right. it's a public page, but you just can't be a member and post unless, and, and I just checked this morning, something like 26,000 people are there. So, which is unbelievable because I think last week you were in the teens, yeah. right? It's right now it's growing about 500 a day uh, right now, but for, you know, it kind of goes in spurts mm -hmm. like the epidemic. In fact, I make a joke on the page. I actually graph the membership and it looks like the epidemic curves and you can say, okay, here's an infection here and here's an infection here. And you can see the bell curve there. It's funny to watch it, but it's a way for me to make it not intimidating to people mm -hmm. to see data because they can understand how members join a page. Absolutely. And so it's like a good analogy, a good metaphor. And you don't have to be this brilliant scientist to follow the data that right. you're giving it in the way that you were giving it. That's my objective. Mm -hmm. In fact, when I first started, I, I was getting criticized by other mathematicians. They were saying, you, you know, you should be showing this in a log graph and you should be, the axes should be a log log graph. And I'm like, I understand why you're saying that. Yes. And I'll do that with my calculus students. But for these people, if as soon as I put a log on that axis, their eyes are going to glaze over and they're not going to understand anymore. And my mm. objective is for everybody to be able to look at it and understand it. So what do you think for us who are, I mean, you're, you are tracking states, you're tracking countries, yeah. you're tracking some counties. I, yeah. sh I think I just saw yeah. that you had done something for Butler County. Yeah, I did. So what, what should we as plain old citizens of the United States be paying attention to? What should we be following to truly understand the reality of where this is? Because we don't want to negate the fact that it is a virus that does exist. Oh, yeah. And unfortunately, people have lost loved ones oh, yeah. to it. It's real. People are dying. Um, what The first thing you need to do is stop listening to the news. Because if you think about it, the objective of news is to get you to tune in. And the objective is to get you to click on their link. So the news items are always sensational. You know, if it bleeds, it leads. 
They're trying to get you to watch. So the problem with that, though, is that it gives an incorrect impression about what's really going on. So I get this question all the time. People come on the page, look at the data, and when you actually look at the data, they go, well, wait a minute. You know, it just said on the news that we're going to have a th- we had a thousand cases today, but I look at the graph and it says we only had a 100. What's up with that? So the first thing that happens is people learn what's actually going on. And what's actually going on is that states are reporting numbers as they're coming into them from the hospitals and the doctors and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that what they're reporting happened that day. A lot of times it happened months ago. They're just now getting the information. So what they're reporting isn't what's real. So so the first thing you have to do is realize what you're hearing in the media is not what is really going on. It's, it's, it's not a lie. Mm-hmm. The state really did get a thousand reports, let's say today, mm-hmm. but some of them are months old. Uh, and when you actually assign them to the dates and, and it's not like I have to do uh, anything clandestinely, the, uh, the websites put it up and, but people don't know how to read it necessarily right. and they don't know how to download it. So that's one of the things I do too, is I download the state data. I graph it. I've done all 50 States multiple times for months mm-hmm. now and you know, about 20 or 30 countries uh, I've been just doing all that and uh, helping people to understand when you hear the data, this is, w- this is what they mean. Mm-hmm. And I don't have any bias. I'm just showing them what the data are. And people right. love that because, yes. because then they realize, okay, it's not as bad as it sounds. One of my favorite examples of this is uh, recently, you'll see a lot of reports where they say, the hospitals are 100% capacity. Okay. And when you hear that, you panic. Oh my gosh. We must have a lot of people dying because the hospitals are full. Well, what you don't realize is that around the country, hospitals have been closing their COVID wings like crazy because they didn't have enough patients. So if, you, if you've reduced the number of beds you have available, you know, because hospitals can't afford to pay nurses and keep the lights on when there are no patients, so they close down those wings so they have less capacity. It's about a factor of four on average since April that around the country that hospitals have closed down they're down to about a fourth of the number of COVID beds that they started with. So if they're at capacity, well, really, that's really only one fourth of the capacity that they are potentially able to have. And if you talk to hospital administrators, which I have several on the page now because they're always feeding me information, they like to run their ICUs at about 85 or 90% capacity. That's what they normally do because that's how they make them a living. That's how right. they keep the doors open. So if you see a number, oh, no, we're at 85% capacity, and they announce that in the news, that sounds terrifying. It sounds scary. But when you actually look, no, that's exactly what, what they want to do, mm-hmm. and it's not scary news. So that's an example of a, of a situation where people come to the page, they, get, they learn, they're not scared anymore. I love that, and I am one of those people that when I do look at the, the state's page, yeah. it is confusing to me, but yeah. I also love that, you can fact check and cross check yeah. what you're sharing. Yeah. I think one of your phrases that you've used over and over is just the facts, ma'am. Yeah. And that's what has, I mean, that really is what has drawn me to your page that it is really statistics and facts versus opinion. Yeah. And, and that's one of the main things that I've been trying to do on the page. You can go back and look at my predictions from months ago. Everything has a timestamp on it. And by the way, a lot of those predictions are wrong. And I explain why they were mm-hmm. wrong. And I tell you what the assumptions were and why the assumptions were wrong. So I'm not hiding anything. I'm completely transparent. You can track everything I've done. There's nothing that you can't see. 
And so because people see that I'm completely transparent, that I admit it when I make a mistake, that I point out my mistakes when I make them. Right. Mm -hmm. Then people go, oh, I can trust this guy. And by the way, I checked his numbers and they exactly match what this site is, but they don't match that site. Why is that? Tell me, Dr. Frank, why do these sites not agree? And I can say, oh, well, that site is reporting a day later than this one, or that one's on a different calendar, or or this one is reporting presumed cases and this one isn't. You know, I can help people understand. And once they see, once they've been through that for a few loops, they don't even check anymore. They know that I'm doing that. Right. And, and they can see that I'm... And there's also something else that's interesting that's happened. Because I've been doing this so long, there are about a dozen people now from around the country that are feeding me the data. I don't have to even get it myself mm -hmm. anymore. I even have public officials sending me data before they're publicly released. Uh, here's an interesting story. One guy sent me some, has been sending me data. And you know, I told him, I said, next Friday or so, you're going to have some deaths in your town. And he's a mayor. Mm -hmm. And he says, but why do you say that? We haven't had any yet. And I said, because I can see the shape of your curve. I know what's going to happen. And you're going to, and so you need to get ready. And here's some of the things you could do to get ready and prepare mm -hmm. your people. And he's like, yeah, but we haven't any deaths yet. And I said, yep, next Friday, you're going to have two. And it turns out I was wrong. It was Thursday instead of Friday. But because he was prepared, mm -hmm. he was able to be a good public official, able to lead his people, able to say, okay, we're ready for this. The hospital's ready. We know how many deaths are coming. So, that's the, it's, it's fun to have people feeding me yes. data as well. You have a whole tribe now. It, it's, I mean, you, you're the real deal. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me ask you this. What should we, we hear a lot about cases yeah. and we hear a lot about deaths yeah. and we hear, you've already kind of addressed the ICU. Yeah. So what should we be paying attention to if we're following the path of an epidemic or a pandemic in this case. Yeah, just don't even listen to the news anymore. Just don't even do that. That the follow you, Dr. Frank models. Well, you don't have. To, <laughs> well, that's nice. You could do that, but um, really, if I, I've even done this for Ohio because we live in Ohio, right. I, I've gone online and I recorded a little video of myself actually going onto the Ohio website and showing people this is how you check how you're doing. Go to your county, click this button, click that button make this graph, and it'll show you exactly where you stand. You don't need to come to me. You can check for yourself. Still, some people are intimidated by numbers and graphs, and and, right. and so they'll say, well, you know, gee, Dr. Frank, please help me with Butler County. I don't understand, and I'm terrified, and the news just said, oh, we have thousands of cases. Help, help, help. And, you know, I understand. So sometimes I'll just go online and, and, make, and make a copy of the page for them and then maybe help them understand it. People are terrified, and they aren't being very rational. And that's Fear a, is a very highly motivating factor, which I think we have yeah. discovered very quickly. I mean, I can't believe we're in month seven of this year now because, I mean, here we are in the middle of July, which I probably should mention that we're recording this about a week and a half before it is going to actually hit. So who oh. knows what's going to happen yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the next week or so. Yeah. Um, but I, it's just unbelievable that this has been our story for over four months now yeah i i'm shocked at the a level of fear um because i eliminated myself uh, pulled myself out of the media i didn't realize the intensity mm. that was growing out there and people began flocking to the page and at first i thought oh boy people love these graphs but no i an example is i was up in the middle of the night one night um working on some graphs i, I don't sleep much and uh, I'm a geek. Uh, and I was feeling a little depressed. You know, when, when you're calculating how many people die every day, you know, around the world and tens of thousands of people, sometimes it, it, gets, it weighs on you a little bit. 
And so I just started reading the Bible, and I was reading Psalm 23, and it just really felt good to me. It mm. was felt peaceful and calming. So I just snipped a copy of it and pasted it on my page, and within like 10 minutes, 50 people had clicked like on it. And, mm. and right underneath they said, people were saying, oh, that's just what I needed to hear. Thank you for doing that. And it began to dawn on me, you know, that's a couple of, I've given you a couple of examples now, where the page is not just a place where we discuss data, it's become a place where people go for peace. They're feeling panic attacks. They're feeling desperate. Uh, the media just told them that their county's going to be closed down because they have this massive epidemic. So they come there, they find, no, it's not that bad. This is how you look at the numbers. This is where we stand. And by the way, here's a piece of scripture, and let's pray about this. And, oh, isn't Nellie cute? And they, they come out of their time refreshed and mm -hmm. they're not terrified anymore and i i did an interview with another person who has a, a youtube channel and mm -hmm. he was in bad shape mm. emotionally and mm. when he had come out of his uh emotional bad situation he happened to stumble on my page and he said he says you know it saved his life and mm. you know I, I, I don't know whether that's true or not but that's the point there I never planned for the page to be that way. It was a place where I was going to document my thought process, you know, take and uh, hold myself accountable because in science you have to do that. You need right. to document your data. You need to document your thinking. And But it's become a place where people come not just for the information but also for the, for the uh, piece. Yeah, I love that. So based on your data, where do you say we are now and what can we potentially expect for the fall? Uh, I, I like to describe this like a hurricane. So um, imagine that there's a hurricane coming. That would have been us in February. Okay. The hurricane hits us. We're at our worst in April. And we're right in the middle. Cat five. Nasty hurricane. Okay. And then the hurricane is passing by May. And June, it's, you know, you're in the, you know, if you ever look at a hurricane, it's got little bands in mm -hmm. it. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we have a few bands or two. Right. And then it's downgraded to a tropical storm. And that's where we are as a country. So, you know, or another way to describe it would be that um, uh, forest fires come through and mm -hmm. it's burned most of the stuff up and now they're spot fires. Because it, it's absolutely true that there's still live infections in many right. big cities. It's, it's, it's concentrated. It's in hot mm -hmm. spots. So when people ask me this question, I say, look, the, the fire's gone through. The hurricane's gone through. Uh, the worst is over. Now we're kind of in cleanup mode. And there's a mathematical physics thing. It's called the drunkard's walk where it's like a random walk afterwards and there are little little random infections here yes. and there that are left over that still need to clean up. Uh, so that's that's where the country is. And then there's there. And then I would say, you know, if that if that's all there was, have a great summer. See you later. But there's something new on the horizon, and that is that um, you know these epidemics go in waves, and we finished our wave. Um, but there's a new wave that's just now peaking south of our border. Mm -hmm. And we have a million and a half people in Mexico that are American citizens, mm -hmm. <laughs> okay? And when they're having their horrible epidemic down there, what Where are they, they going to do? They come to America. And so we've been bringing back many of our American citizens, which I have no objection to. We should do this. Mm -hmm. uh, bring them to America and to our hospitals uh, for treatment. And, and not just for treatment. They're trying to get the heck out of there because right. that's a nasty place to be right now. Okay, so Americans are repatriating 
okay, and they're bringing the infection with them. And so mm-hmm. we're having some new spot infections from that. Also, America relies heavily on migrant workers, and these are legal. These right. are green, hard, right. green card holders. I'm not even talking about illegal immigration. I'm not even getting into that political issue. These are real people that come here every year. They work in our hotels. They do our, they are, they, uh, do our agricultural work for us. Uh, landscaping, you name it. There's a huge army of migrant workers that come up here. So if I was a Mexican migrant worker, I'd want the heck out of Mexico too right now. Mm-hmm. Besides, I come up here every year to work. So they've, they're bringing their infection with them as well. Mm-hmm. That's, I'm not being any insulting at all to these people. I love these people. You hablo espanol. So I, I know <laughs> these people. And so um, uh, the point is, if, if, if the hurricane's passed, but it looks like there's another small storm coming in because of that migration and because of our repatriation. So uh, when people say, well, look, we've got all these cases coming back in Texas and Arizona and Southern California and Florida, I'm like, well, guess why? Mm-hmm. And, and that's not an insult. That's just, that's the way it is. And so the nice thing is that people that are uh, put in hospitals and whatnot, hospitals are really good at containing epidemics. So I'm not worried about that. It's the migrant worker population that I'm more worried about because they can start little spot fires. They don't just only go to the Southern States. They go throughout the country. Yeah. So that's, that's a problem too. We have to stop the conversation right there for now, but I promise you the second half next week, I could have listened to Dr. Frank for hours. In fact, after we stopped recording, we talked for another 45 minutes. He shared a little more about his career and all these fantastic experiences he has been a part of. And I thought, isn't it amazing how God continues to use us throughout all seasons of our lives if we just make ourselves available? It reminded me of the story of Esther when she is given the task of convincing her husband King to save her entire Jewish people from death. You are probably familiar with this story, but in Esther 4.14, her uncle Mordecai tells her, For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And listen to this. Who knows, but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. I said this to Dr. Frank, and I thought, of all the years of teaching and ministering and inventing and designing, I am confident that he is right where he is supposed to be at this exact time to provide facts, reduce fear, and restore faith. I hope you will join us next week for part two of our conversation. In the meantime, go follow Dr. Frank Models on Facebook. You'll be glad you did.